This week on Water Flying, we're going to talk about what goes into the production of Water Flying Magazine. You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the water flying community. Climb aboard! We're about to start today's episode. Well, this week we are joined by my good friend and editor of Waterflying Magazine, Mr. Mark Twombly. And we are going to explore one of our favorite topics and passion projects, which is producing Waterflying Magazine and what it takes to satisfy the never-ending hunger that this creature has for creative content and what it takes to produce. So, uh, Mark, uh, thank you for joining us today. Hello, Steve. Hello, everyone. So, uh, I don't think that a lot of people may realize the challenges and also some of the opportunities that exist within uh, the Waterflying Magazine format. Uh, it is pretty challenging to produce. I'm extremely proud of our team uh, for the production quality and, and the value that the magazine delivers. But also, I think it delivers a lot of value to our members and to uh, people that service the seaplane community as well. Uh, I agree. It's, of course, the official publication of uh, the Seaplane Pilots Association uh, and uh, consistently rated as, you know, one of the primary benefits of, of joining uh, and being a member of the association, along with uh, the advocacy role that SBA uh, uh, performs for members. Yeah, I think it's, you know, one of the great vehicles that not only lets us inform the community of news and events that are going on within the community, but you mentioned advocacy. I think one of the big opportunities there for us is that it gives us a vehicle to communicate some of these critical operating uh, perimeters that the seaplane pilots are going to have to abide by in the future and to get some of these requirements uh, as far as you know, looking at the water landing directory app or taking the watching the video and taking the course uh, to get the certification for invasive species inspection, things like that. So it is important. Uh, it is a, you know, to as a delivery vehicle to get these things across as well. Right. It's it's the uh, the official regular source of communication uh, with members to provide them with that sort of uh, information that you discussed. Also, um we hope it's an entertaining and informative uh, uh, publication uh, for members, something they uh, enjoy reading and get something out of. Yeah, well, I'll tell you from the feedback that I get here at the headquarters and, and with talking to members uh, consistently, uh, they're very pleased with the, everything that is associated with the magazine. And I'm very pleased because you and I have been working together now almost 18 years on the publication and the quality has just uh, continuously risen, I think, throughout that period. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite a journey for the two of us, really. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm proud of the magazine. I'm, I'm really proud to be associated with it. It's uh, the little magazine that could. Um, and uh, I think it, 
it uh, it is pretty consistently uh, high quality. Um, we do a lot with uh, not much in the way of resources. Yeah, and I think those are some of the challenges that we're going to cover today that the members and the listeners may not realize about our production staff and the process. So let's really start off with a discussion of who is Mark Twombly and what is your background for those listeners that may not, you know, have the good fortune of knowing uh, your background as I do. So let's let's learn more about this this mystery man, Mr. Mark Twombly, the legend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, that's overstated. <laughs> Well, I suppose, uh, you know, the two uh, major activities in my life, uh, other than, of course, uh, family, are uh, flying and uh, journalism. And uh, I was interested in journalism from an early age. Nobody in my family had been involved with it, but, you know, uh, you somehow get attracted to something. Uh, I grew up in the Watergate era, and I was just attracted to journalism. That's what I studied in college, special interest journalism. Um, I was interested in aviation and uh, motor racing. Still am. <laughs> I was going to say, we know you and I definitely uh, have an affinity for, for that. So <laughs> Right, right. Uh, so that's what I studied in college. Um, aviation, I come from a flying family. My father was a professional pilot, not airlines. He was a, a small airplane guy, charter and so on. He taught me to fly. Wow. Uh, I got my uh, pilot certificate when I was 17. Oh, and that's I've been amazing. Act- actively ever since. That was, I almost beat the Wright brothers. Um, uh, I've, I've been flying that long, but uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, flying has been a constant in my life. My, uh, my uh, three brothers are all pilots, uh, two for the airlines. Uh, they're retired now. And uh, my son is uh, an active pilot as well. So um, I, uh, my, my career has been in journalism. Um, I, was, uh, I worked for newspapers, mostly aviation. Uh, went to work for AOPA Pilot, uh, became editor of AOPA Pilot Magazine, and uh, uh, left that to uh, join a special interest publication that produced flight training magazine and dive training for scuba divers and so on. And then uh, was uh, on my own, um, got it, uh, was contacted by a Seaplane Pilots Association to, to uh, take a look at water flying to see what could be done to improve it. So I made some recommendations and ended up being uh, uh, asked if I would be interested in a job as editor. And I said yes, that was in 2003. So uh, I've been editor ever since then. Uh, and that's kind of my story. Yeah, and, and you're currently flying uh, jets and turboprops uh, when you're not working on the magazine uh, as uh, well. Yeah, I'm uh, flying commercially, um, uh, which is uh, fun and, uh, you know, generates some income. <laughs> <laughs> Important part since... Uh, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> We are a small organization, and uh, we're very lucky to have your talents uh, for what we can afford to pay. So uh, uh, I, I think that all the members need to know that, uh, you know, the level of talent and quality that we get working on the magazine with Mark for 
uh, his compensation rate is uh, phenomenal, and, and I'm very humbled by the fact that he chooses to uh, year after year continue with us um, and very thankful because uh, it, it just really shines in the magazine. But uh, you do keep your your uh, fingers in uh, more humble flying with, uh, I think you own a J3, and uh, you do quite a bit of seaplane flying as well. Yeah, my, I own a J3 in partnership with my two brothers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's fun. And uh, uh, I fly, I fly in, actually in Aztec as well for uh, uh, a company. Uh, I do some... 172 flying. I have access to a 172 and I love that airplane. Used to own one. And I do, uh, thankfully, some seaplane flying as well in connection uh, with my role as editor of Water Flying Magazine. Steve is gracious enough to uh, let me fly his Super Cub on occasion. That's wonderful. Great airplane. So, yeah. Uh, all good stuff. And I think it's interesting you mentioned the Flight Training Magazine because I think. Um, there's an interesting history there that the flight training magazine that AOPA puts out today, I think really started with your concept for a scuba magazine. Is that true? Well, I like to take credit for that, but not the case. Okay. Uh, they were, they were producing that magazine. I was at AOPA at the time uh, as editor and, um, AOPA, uh, under Phil Boyer, uh, was president at the time, uh, was interested in possibly acquiring uh, flight training. Well, they were interested in how to get new pilots to become members of AOPA, and flight training goes to new pilots. Uh, so we went to learn about, uh, we spent a couple of days at the uh, publisher learning uh, about flight training and dive training. They were doing both. AOPA ended up buying Flight Training Magazine. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's how it came about. Yeah. Yeah, because the team at the time, advertising, uh, at one point we had Chester Baumgartner working, and you guys had uh, done quite a bit. Uh, Chester was very involved with the Scuba Magazine, I know. Right, right. So I, that, when, I, when I went to work for – I left AOPA to go to work for that publisher, and uh, I got my, uh, my scuba diving uh, rating then – um, and so I would say, uh, yeah, I fly and scuba dive, I, I, anything to avoid the surface of the earth, <laughs> except car racing, which you've done some riding for as well, I believe. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, this is great. I just, you know, the team is so well-rounded in your talents, uh, go, uh, you know, uh, you have tentacles in a lot of different areas, and um, it seems like there is a growing connection between seaplane pilots and aviators and car racing. And of course, you and I really enjoy that. So uh, that's motorcycling awesome. too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have a vintage motorcycle as touring bike right. as well. So mm -hmm. uh, great stuff. So let's talk a little bit about the history of water flying and some of the backstory of the magazine, its inception, and where it's gone and where you joined in its history. Water flying actually dates back 50 years to the founding of the Seaplane Pilots Association in 1972, and it debuted then as a, a black and white monthly newsletter accompanied by a, a, a large, glossy, four-color water flying annual that talked about 
uh, destinations and uh, floats and so on, published once a year. The newsletter eventually grew into uh, a magazine format, still black and white, plus the annual edition. And then in the early 2000s, as I mentioned, uh, uh, Phil Boyer was on the board of directors of the Seaplane Pilots Association and and uh, they were looking to take the next step in uh, the development of water flying. And he suggested that, uh, you know, they asked me to take a look at it. I did and asked to be editor. So in 2003, I became the editor. One of my primary recommendations was to make the magazine all for color and add some features to it, kind of uh, uh, evolve the content. So that has occurred. We've been all four color since then. We've increased the paper weight. We've gone to a glossy uh, coated cover. We've added uh, features such as the snapshots on the last page of the magazine. That's been very popular. And uh, we recently started sending the magazine in a poly bag, the plastic bag, because members were complaining that it would arrive damaged from the post office. And we had to put a mailing label on the cover, which compromises the design of the cover and so on. Uh, we also debuted the Seaplane Training Directory, a special issue that's, that's published in the spring with a comprehensive listing of seaplane uh, schools and instructors in the U.S., Canada, and internationally. So, uh, of course, the magazine... Waterflying and the directory, they're exclusive SPA member benefits. Neither is sold on the newsstand or distributed to the public. Members get the magazine and the seaplane directory in print uh, through the mail and online digital versions of each one. We do distribute print copies at major aviation shows to people who uh, ask about seaplane flying and so on. So this gives them an idea of, of uh, you know, what seaplane flying is all about in the community and uh, Seaplane Pilots Association. Yeah, and I know we're looking to strategically uh, place magazines at FBOs or flight schools that are high opportunity uh, areas where they have a propensity to have a, a seaplane community or opportunities. So we want to also distribute the magazines and FBOs or other airport locations where, you know, people could take action, where they could get exposed, and, and yet there's opportunities right nearby where they can, you know, go pursue that. And I know one of the things that you and I pursued, uh, which was a different direction, is the seaplane uh, training directory. It used to be an annual thing that would come out as the March-April edition, and we actually broke it out as its own dedicated uh, issue of the magazine. It's it's a, it's a an important thing to distribute at these aviation shows because uh, the question we often get at these shows from people who are not seaplane pilots is, where can I train? Mm-hmm. So we can just pick up the magazine, turn, <clears throat> excuse me, turn to their state, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, show them all of the schools and instructors uh, in that state. Yeah, and that was the importance for me of breaking it out from, quote unquote, a March, April issue was I wanted to ensure that we had a, a tool that would last the entire calendar year to distribute because it deserved more than just 
a, a kind of a normal monthly issue exposure. And so that's how we use it. We print it at the early in the year and we'll distribute it at all the trade shows. We take hundreds of copies of both the magazine, but also the flight training directory with us because one of the best ways for us to walk new people in and introduce them to the seaplane community is by providing them a list of physical places where they can go learn how to fly, get that introductory flight, see what kinds of aircraft are available and what the pricing uh, is uh, to do that training as well. Right. It's, it's, it's good, important information to have to keep on the shelf uh, to refer to if you want to get an advanced rating, a multi-engine rating, uh, uh, you want to fly uh, a Grumman, uh, you want to do a hull seaplane, that sort of thing. Uh, get your uh, annual, your biannual flight review in a seaplane. Where can you go? Uh, it's good to have around to refer to. And, you know, we take that information and mirror it both on the website and on the Water Landing Directory app as well. So it it is a powerful tool. It gives us a vehicle to collect this information, but also multiple channels of delivery of the information. So uh, good stuff. I should should mention, Steve, also that we do occasionally publish special issues like uh, our most recent, I believe, was uh, SPA's advocacy efforts in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Steve uh, and SPA devoted a lot of time, energy, and money uh, to Colorado, and uh, we felt it important to let people know what was going on there. I think our next special issue that we're planning is one on the Seaplane Pilots Foundation. Yes. Uh, uh, the activity, the foundation uh, activities, uh, what its mission is, uh, how they go about it, and how people can participate in that. Yeah, and that's great that you bring that up because uh, I don't think a lot of our members or the community, you know, I think the foundation, unfortunately, we haven't talked about enough in the past, and we really need to bring public's, the public's awareness to the foundation more to the front, forefront of their minds because with a small organization like this, you know, while we may collect $59 a year from the members, it's not enough to really fund large-level uh, projects. And the foundation gives us the ability to collect tax-deductible donations and dedicate those donations to educational projects or invasive species research projects um, and other things that are really important to our advocacy role. So uh, we've been talking about doing a foundation-dedicated issue. I can't wait to get it done. And again, I look forward to it, uh, as well as an invasive species-dedicated issue, I think, is, uh, would be coming up in the future. Right. Right. So let's talk about some of the ways we deliver news. I mean, I consider the magazine one of our best vehicles to deliver uh, seaplane-related news, and that is one of the best benefits as well. Um, What are some of the news stories that we publish in the magazine and um, that we're looking to publish uh, if people are looking to to feed us stuff? Well, uh, it's a quite... Uh, quite a wide range of things that we publish. Uh, Briefs is our news section, and we talk about uh, events that uh, are coming up. Uh, We talk about uh, new products and services from uh, manufacturers and service providers specific to the seaplane community, new aircraft, um, 
people that are, are, you know, events surrounding people, uh, any sort of thing that that might be of interest to uh, SPA members that, you know, doesn't uh, uh, wouldn't qualify, say, to go in uh, SPA in action, which is the section where we talk about S, uh, the association's uh, activities and initiatives. Yeah, so things that you can see in the news section, obviously, are uh, when a float manufacturer mm-hmm. releases a new set of floats, uh, or there, again, is, is some newsworthy uh, item as far as them expanding their services, new training schools that may be coming on board, things like that. Um, so uh, great stuff. So the the feature stories and photographs, I think, are the highlight of the magazine. Uh, they provide us with our cover stories. And um, I think it's important for the the listeners to understand that unlike EAA with Sport Aviation Magazine and AOPA with Pilot Magazine, that the majority of the stories you read in Waterflying are really contributed by our members and not produced by a uh, professional uh, magazine staff, which, you know, I I look forward to having someday, but we haven't had that historically um, and we've, we've really, uh, why don't you talk about some of our contributors and, and how we, we gather that and, you know, what kind of needs do we have for content for these feature stories uh, over the course of a year? We do have a, a, a small but loyal uh, and very talented group of uh, regular contributors, uh, probably led by Burke Meese, who is uh, and uh, an airline pilot, seaplane pilot, very experienced, designated pilot examiner on the Grumman, and uh, uh, really a, a very thoughtful, insightful guy. He's written uh, several seaplane training manuals, and uh, he he writes. Uh, uh, he focuses a lot on the Grumman's because he flies them, but he also. Uh, Talks about technique. He's written, as I as I mentioned, uh, some training books. His most recent technique piece was called uh, "Exposed: The Secret Marriage of Flaps and Pitch Attitude." Talked about the relationship between uh, flap settings and pitch attitude, and how you use that on takeoff and landing, and so on. It was it was uh, the kind of thing that you just don't often read about in uh, publications and or, or even training manuals. It, it's advanced uh, training kinds of things. Uh, it, we're very lucky to have Burke contribute to the magazine, and he'll be doing stuff uh, in uh, upcoming issues in 2022 as well. Mike Kincaid is uh, an examiner, used to uh, fly the Alaska bush, and uh, lives in Idaho, northern Idaho now. Uh, on uh, Hayden Lake, there's a lot of interesting people up in that part of the woods, including Bert Rutan, who he's oh yeah, with. his neighbor and good so, friend, yeah, right. And uh, so uh, they have a lot of airplanes come through there. Uh, he has a lot of friends with seaplanes, and so he's he's writing about uh, all kinds of seaplanes. Most recently, Carbon Cub, <clears throat> excuse me, and the the Scout. The uh, oh, yeah. Our, upcoming issue has a, a, a feature story on the Scout called Scout's Honor. There you go. On floats, whipline floats. Uh, Bob Grant is a longtime uh, commercial seaplane pilot up in Canada. He's, he loves history, and he's written some really great history pieces for us on the Nordium Norseman, 
um, and uh, uh, other things. He's, we're going to have uh, more from him in upcoming issues as well. So uh, those are just a, a, a few of our regular contributors, but I want to certainly make the point that the magazine is the foundation of the magazine content is provided by contributors, SPA members who uh, send to us stories about adventures they've had, places they've visited, aircraft they're flying. And um, uh, one fellow out in Washington State took a, uh, he took on the challenge of flying to every county. <laughs> in the state of Washington, landing on water in every county in the state, and did it and wrote about it. We've had uh, members who have crossed the country in straight uh, straight float seaplanes. Yeah, Dave Wellman, yeah. written about it, flying, learning to fly and flying with their family, all kinds of great things. Uh, so we depend on members to write about their adventures, their aircraft, their achievements. And uh, that's what uh, the, the, as I say, the foundation of the magazine is. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to realize we need, you know, upwards of 18 to 20 of these feature stories a year just to meet our content requirements. And that's a lot when you're talking 18 to 20 feature stories. Uh, that's a lot of content. Um, and furthermore, we need really high quality photos that are shot in a compelling way to support the story. And so it's important if you're thinking about contributing, which we would love to have you contribute to the magazine. Um, don't forget that, uh, you know, a big part of the magazine is also the visual part of it. And so these stories need to be backed up by really high quality, compelling photos as well. And that's been, I think, one of the more challenging things is sometimes we'll, we'll come across great writers with great stories, but it's hard to make them a feature story because we don't have the photos to back them up. It's, that is absolutely true. And I have to say, I'm continually amazed at the quality and professionalism of the photos we get from contributors. These are not snapshots taken with a, a mobile phone. These are really high quality. Well, these days you can get high quality uh, photos taken with a, with a, a mobile phone, but uh, they're, they're well composed, well lighted, <clears throat> and uh, of a sufficient size for print publication, which is extremely important. Yeah. And uh, we've got to do more work in the last couple of years than we have probably in the past with getting to work with Brad Fuller. Uh, we've had Dion Minton su uh, submit some photos, which are amazing as well, and others. But I always look forward to actually getting to work on the magazine actively, where we get to go out and fly and do some of these uh, photo missions, which, w again, we've done more of in the last couple of years uh, than we had previously. So uh, that's one of the uh, evolutions that I've enjoyed in the last couple of years. Right. Yeah, that's that's certainly part of the uh, the big fun of uh, producing the magazine is is uh, being able to fly these airplanes and go places. And yeah, and that's about it. one of the things that uh, has been kind of a challenge, even with the podcast, is that uh, we're raising the bar where we want better photos and we want to go out and experience these things. And for the podcast, I know there's multiple manufacturers that we want to cover on the podcast, but I have kind of made it a requirement that we go fly these airplanes, uh, which uh, <laughs> 
is uh, kind of a reward for the story, but also it it makes it the quality of the content better because it's a real world experience versus uh, just talking about something in an abstract. Yes, you are a taskmaster. There's no question about it. Mark, we have to go fly these airplanes. All right. All right, Steve, if you insist. Okay. So a great example of that. And and uh, and a, a hats off to Icon for opening up that opportunity. Uh, we thought it was important that we've seen a lot of hype about the Icon. Uh, and a lot of that was kind of pre-constituted uh uh, marketing uh, that we've seen out of out of an organization, and we were like, no, uh, we need to go fly the airplane. We need the experience. And uh, thankfully, Icon was very generous in uh, providing us uh, with the factory level training and checkouts for the Icon. Progressive Aerodyne did the same thing uh, when we had the opportunity with the Sea uh, Ray. Right. I think the what I came away with on the ICON training, of course, it was uh, uh, interesting and fun to fly the airplane. It flies very well. It's a great, it's a wonderfully designed airplane. But more important in my eyes was uh, learning about their whole approach to training. What uh, they, what ICON put into their uh, the thought and the production on training materials and uh, how it's presented to customers. Uh, it's really quite remarkable. And uh, so I talked about that in detail in, in the story. I thought it was important for people to understand really uh, how much went into that. They, they're, they, you know, they've been great on marketing, splashy, all of that. They've been around forever before the airplane. Uh, it was 10 years in developing the airplane before it ever was put into production. And you're thinking uh, 10 years to, you know, produce an LSA seaplane, but a lot went into it. There was a lot of good hard work that went into both the design of the airplane and the training materials. And I, I thought that was important to get out. And I think without that intimate contact with the airplane, but also their team, uh, we wouldn't have had the same perspective. And that's, again, why I'm pushing us to fly aircraft, uh, as many different aircraft that we cover as possible because that real-world experience really was enlightening. You know, why did it take so long? What's the philosophy, what is the real philosophy behind the team and, and the development of the aircraft? And I think we both walked away with a, a much greater understanding of that because of the real-world experience. Right, right. It's always better to, to, to be hands-on, fly the airplane, talk to the people, see what's behind it. So let's talk, uh, before we get off of some of the production stuff of the magazine, let's talk about really what it takes to produce the magazine. And, you know, there's a whole other part of it that, it, you know, we need to talk about, which is the layout and the design, the physical design of the magazine and the layout process and what that team looks like. Because, again, just to reiterate, unlike EAA and AOPA, we have a very small team and they're all gainfully employed doing other activities um, and, you know, there are people in the background doing layout that don't get uh, the exposure that maybe you or I do uh, with the magazine. And I think they deserve credit as well. Right. Just like uh, SPA, it's a small team here at the magazine. Uh, uh, two people basically focused uh, with a laser focus on the magazine, myself and our designer, Susie Holly. 
who uh, is a longtime editor and designer. So the the content is um, uh, comes from a variety of sources, as I say, uh, mostly contributor. I write uh, feature stories and some departments. And uh, so we plan the issue based on what we have, what we'd like to have in-house. I'm working with contributors. If I'm not writing the story myself, I'm working with contributors. I get information uh, from the team at SPA. I work with Steve on uh, SPA in action, what uh, SPA is up to, uh, its activities and initiatives and so on. Steve writes executive director's message. Uh, I get the calendar information and uh, other stuff from the team at SPA. So all of that goes into the content for a particular issue. I do the editing on it. I work with the writer on the final version of the story. It's a back and forth on uh, uh, editing the magazine, copy editing, uh, answering questions, uh, getting more information. And then there's, of course, the artwork uh, component as well, photos for the most part, uh, making sure we have enough photos to illustrate the story and that they're of uh, sufficient size and quality for print. And uh, then it all goes to Susie, the designer, and she uh, uh, it's amazing what she does with that. Uh, information, those components, the words and the artwork. Uh, our writers are uh, very happy with what, uh, you know, what they send us and what comes out the other end of the pipeline in the printed publication. And I'm very proud about that. Uh, it looks really good. She puts a lot of effort into it, a lot of thought and effort. She's proud of it. So um, that. That's kind of what happens. It's not, it's a it's a long drawn out process. Um, you know, they say there's uh, two things that you really don't want to see being made, and uh, that's law and sausage. Uh, <laughs> I'd add magazines to that. Uh, there's a lot that goes on in the background. It's not always pretty, but hopefully, what comes out the other end tastes pretty good. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> That is a true fruitie. Uh, so, uh, Steve, at, at some point, I do want to uh, provide people with some of the details on contributions. So, uh, I want to make sure to talk about that. Yeah, let's get that in. So, if you're interested in uh, contributing to the magazine, if you have questions of you know anything regarding you know, submitting a contribution uh, or the photo requirements or anything like that, or have ideas, uh, then you can contact Mark at uh, editor at cplanes.org. Right. Uh, that's the email. And if you have uh, just an idea of something you would like to contribute, uh, an article, uh, photos, you can email me uh, to ask about it. And I'll respond. Uh, I'm more than likely going to like the idea. So, and we're looking for everything from, uh, you know, seaplanes, types of seaplanes. If you're an owner of a seaplane, why you chose that and what you like about it, and maybe some things that you'd like improved, floats, 
piloting techniques, safety, places you've flown, you know, destinations, sojourns, splash-ins you've attended, events, and news, those, uh, those sorts of things. Just about anything that uh, you're interested in uh, from a seaplane standpoint and would like to communicate to other members. So if it's a feature story, they run about 1,200 to 1,500 words. Departments like uh, we have a CFIC, these are instructor pieces, Water flyers are uh, profiles of seaplane pilots and so on. They're shorter, maybe 750 to 1,000 words, but those are not hard and fast numbers. We can always edit it uh, to the desired length. Features and departments, as Steve has said, should be accompanied by high-quality digital color photos. And it is important that they be large enough for print publication Online, when you look at a photo on your computer, it's in 72 dots per inch or pixels per inch. We need 300 dots per inch or pixels per inch. And we'll take more. (laughs) With a a minimum dimension of four by five inches, but larger is preferred, especially if it's going to be for a feature or hopefully a cover. So any photo, whether it's for snapshots or for a story, should Uh, should be of sufficient uh, size and quality for uh, print publication. And we need description of the photo. Who shot the photo? This would go for snapshots as well, that last page feature we have. Who shot the photo and where, the type of seaplane and floats, anything about the situation, and so on. The people in the photo, we need to know who's in the photo. Um, So... uh, yeah, that's and so again, uh, use Mark if you're if you want to contribute to the magazine. Number one, we welcome you and we look forward to you uh, contributing to the magazine. But uh, use editor at seaplanes dot org and reach out to Mark and uh, find out exactly what he needs uh, because you know there's time frames that we need the stories in as well, and we have tried to make the the magazine somewhat seasonal where we're trying to do more winter stories or ski flying stories uh, in the winter months, uh, if possible. But it takes the content to make that happen as well, and it has to be the timeliness of that content. So uh, maintenance experience, tips and tricks, operational stories, problem-solving stuff, uh, all these things are stories that we're interested in or uh, that we'd like to see contributions from. And uh, again, I'm going to put a call out for our field directors. We want to know more about what our field directors are doing out there in the field because we'd like to give them the credit that they're due. So uh, all good stuff. So uh, oh, I, it, go ahead. I, I just want to make the point that we that you do not have to worry about sending in a perfectly crafted piece of literature. We are interested in what you have to say, not so much in how you say it. My job is to help turn your insightful observations into a good read. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's important. I call it Mark working his magic on a piece. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. Uh, so don't don't try to achieve perfection because I'll probably edit it anyhow. Just uh, uh, rough drafts are great. Um, just ask Steve. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice, thanks. As I get thrown under the bus. 
I'm great at throwing. I'm great at throwing a quick note or idea to Mark. I'll be like, we need to run with this. Here's the idea. What do you think? <laughs> Clean it up. <laughs> uh, great luxury. Uh, I've never. I tell you, it was uh, an interesting experience getting used to working with an editor because you carry so much pride in what you do. And uh, if there's anyone that's good at just cutting you off at your ankles, it would be Mark and saying, uh, well, it only took me about two hours to edit that uh, that piece. And uh, But I've really come to appreciate the value of that and also the talent uh, that uh, Mark has for that. So, uh, Well, thank you. Thank you. I don't want to scare off any... Uh, potential contributors here. Uh, again, it's um, uh, you don't have to worry about producing uh, a perfect piece. Let's work on it together. Yeah, and again, it'll be a better piece, and everyone will enjoy it. And uh, uh, again, there's a great value to that editorial eye and talent uh, that can be provided. So uh, again, I really appreciate it, and uh, uh, it shouldn't intimidate anyone because Mark's going to make the story shine like a, a true champion so uh one of the the real common questions we get that i don't want to ignore and it's kind of a funny one but uh, a lot of people ask so if if uh my story gets published do i get paid <laughs> which is always an interesting question for us <laughs> we uh we do pay for features um not much uh, uh, I always preface uh, when somebody asks that, uh, preface it with, you know, uh, SPA is a, a, a lean and mean organization in terms of size and, and financial resources. So we can't pay much, but we do uh, thank people for their contributions with a, a, a small stipend. There you go. Uh, for, for their words uh, and, uh, and photos. So the answer is yes, uh, we do. It kind of uh, depends however, on the length of the story, whether it was a feature or not. And uh, then again, I'll, you know, we want to reward people because without them contributing these articles, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't have the magazine. But also, I, I'll also say that, uh, uh, you know, you can always donate your, your payment back to SPA. <laughs> I wouldn't be a, a a good donor developer if I didn't mention that. So, um. <laughs> now we um, we do believe that uh, people should be rewarded for their efforts. Uh, I think the primary reward for uh, someone who contributes something to Water Flying is seeing it in print and hopefully feeling that their contribution was treated with respect. Uh, and uh, uh, it appears, you know, they're they're happy with the results in it. But again, uh, we do we do pay people uh, a small amount for their work. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, we've been on a while here, and I want to make sure we get through some of these other things that we wanted to cover, and we don't want to uh, run too long. But it's really important that we we have some features of the magazine that deserve some time. Uh, chasing down and that would be the calendar of events because I think that we get a lot of feedback at the association whether it be the website or the magazine saying well you didn't publish my event Um, and 
again, we're a small staff and we're trying to filter through all the various websites to gather this information. But I would encourage you to take a proactive approach where if there are events that are coming up that you think are important for us to list in the magazine for the members to read and the community to read, as well as the website and, again, the the calendar events and the app, uh, please reach out to us and let us know about these events because it's very easy. We don't have a dedicated person sitting here going through every conceivable seaplane website looking for for events. Right. Uh, The calendar of events is an extremely important component in the magazine because people are always looking for uh, things to do uh, when they fly, places to go, fun things, and so on. And so uh, it's important that if you are planning, if you or your organization is planting planning an event that would be of interest to seaplane pilots let us know about it well in advance several two three months in advance so we can get the information in the calendar uh again if if you're if you yourself or you are a part of an organization that is going to have an event and you want to get the word out, of course you want your members to know about it, but you'd like the larger seaplane community to know about it, you should be thinking primarily of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which goes to seaplane pilots across the country and internationally. So you're thinking about publicity. Number one would be your members. Number two would be SPA, because that we're going to get it out to the larger seaplane community. So contact us with the information. We'll get it in the calendar if if there's uh, if you have a lot of details, let us know a couple of months in advance. Uh, with some of those details, we can publish a story in the news brief section in the magazine as well. Yeah, and it's important for people to realize when we talk about the calendar. Uh, so I'm looking at let's see which issue am I looking at right now? I'm looking at the July August issue of this year's magazine. Uh, we were listing events all the way into November uh, in that issue. And we had been working on that issue back in May. So to give people an idea of how much lead time uh, is helpful for us to list your event, uh, in May and June, we were working on the July-August issue of the magazine, which was already listing events going into November. So that gives you some kind of idea of of how forward thinking you need to be with letting us know about these things so people can put can put this into their planning for vacation time or how they're they're negotiating their calendar. Right. You can never be too early. You can be late. So we're going to give you a different uh, email address to submit these calendar submissions to, and that's going to be CSR, Charlie Sierra Romeo at seaplanes.org. And that actually gets uh, communicated to the entire team here at SPA so we can update it in all the different areas, uh, whether it be the website or the app or the magazine. Uh, that'll get distributed to everyone. So uh, if you have something that you want us to include in the calendar in the magazine uh, and elsewhere, please submit uh, that uh, to CSR, uh, Charlie Sierra Romeo at seaplanes.org. 
Um, I'm also very happy in the last couple of years, we've started distributing a digital issue to the members, and we've actually gone to great lengths to incorporate a digital issue library into the new website. So uh, uh, that is something that's good, and we try to correspond uh, the digital issue with the mailing uh, schedule for the printed magazine. And again, uh, that archive will be available for members uh, going back. It's an exclusive member event again. And uh, we are doing some work. We still have some gaps um, in in that uh, archived library, but we're addressing those in the winter months as we go into fewer events uh, at the end of the year. We've talked about the flight training directory, the seaplane schools. You need to get us your information as soon as possible because that's one of the biggest things that holds us up in this flight training directory is gathering all the information uh, from the flight schools so we can publish it. And the last thing we want to do is publish last year's rates or an airplane that you don't have anymore. And we can't update that information if we don't get it from you. So when you hear from... Uh, probably going to be Peter Christie that reaches out to you. Uh, please respond to him because that's always a time-sensitive thing that creates a crunch for us uh, in publishing the flight training directory. Um, advertising also is handled by Peter Christie. Uh, if you have a product or a service that caters to the seaplane community, there is no finer uh, publication than Waterflying Magazine, I don't feel, um, and getting the word out to uh, uh, make sure that service or product is known about by the community. And you can reach Peter at peter at seaplanes.org for any of those advertising questions. Again, peter at seaplanes.org. That's really great. So, Mark, uh, just looking to kind of wrap things up, uh, looking at a stack of magazines here from this year. Uh, We had quite a year in 2021. um, And interestingly enough, three cover stories with hold seaplanes and three stories with uh, flow planes. Well, we, you know, we try to cover the waterfront to use a a terrible cliche (laughs) there. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, it has been, uh, it was an interesting year. It still is an interesting year. 2021, uh, started out with a, a mallard on the cover from Australia. Uh, try to, try to be international, of course. Uh, a very interesting story about a beautiful mallard that's flying actively down there. And then, uh, we had our, uh, March, April issue when, uh, I reported on the training experience at, uh, ICON. And we had a historical piece as well. Also had our training uh, guide in uh, March, April. It was sent with the March, April magazine in the same poly bag, a comprehensive uh, guide to all the schools and, and instructors uh, internationally, Scotland, Poland, United Kingdom, and so on. Uh, in May, June, we had a very interesting story from Burke Mace on the Grumman Design 122. It was supposed to be an update of the Widgeon that actually never made it into production. It was going to take care of all the Widgeon issues. Uh, A very interesting design, never made it into into production. Uh, Great story from Burke. We also wrote about the new uh, PK floats on Carbon Cub. Uh, Really high-performing airplane on those PKs. Very nice. 
Yeah, and when we got to to work on together, actually, that was a nice uh, piece to work on together. So did did some flying and photography. That was great. Uh, The next issue, July August, the cover story was uh, called Water Dog, and it was uh, a story on the Aviat Husky on Whipline twenty one hundred A Amphib floats, and that was a a fun one because uh, I got to go with uh, an Aviat sales guy to. Whipline to pick up the airplane after installation of the floats, and we flew it down the Mississippi River and then across into Georgia and south, uh, Jacksonville area, uh, to Orlando, uh, a three-day trip with some water landings, and uh, it was a fantastic uh, adventure, and uh, wrote about that. And uh, again, that one also had Burke's story on the relationship of flaps and pitch in September, October, we had the wow factor. That was Mike Kincaid writing about the Carbon Cub SS and, and uh, the performance they get out of that airplane. Historical piece by Bob Grant on an unusual Fokker seaplane. And uh, in November, December, uh, the cover story is on the Forest Service the Havilland Beavers that they operate to uh, in the three million dollar, or th- excuse me, three million acre <laughs> Superior uh, National Forest in Minnesota, Boundary Water uh, area. Uh, quite, quite an interesting story on all the things that they do with the those beavers that have been in the fleet since I think beginning in 1947. Uh, they really make use of those airplanes. A very interesting story. Yeah, and they've literally had the same aircraft serial numbers uh, for that whole period, which is amazing. Um, And it's an incredibly dramatic cover, which if you're listening to this as it's released, you probably haven't seen the cover because you haven't got the magazine because it's in the mail delivery system right now. But I'm really proud. You know, we've come a long way. The, The issues covers are just pure artwork in my mind. Uh, One of my greatest ambitions here at the headquarters is to have a wall of nothing more than all of the covers of Waterflying Magazine. And if I look at things from the Dan Bolton story on the Mallard starting out the year to uh, Brad Fuller's shot of the uh, Husky uh, and now to this very dramatic, it almost looks photoshopped photo of the beaver against uh, the, the sky in the background with these billowing smoke columns um, I don't, it, it's, it's unbelievable. That is an organic photo, not something photoshopped and it's absolutely strikingly beautiful. So, uh, I'm very proud of, of the cover shots on the magazine. What yeah, are we looking yeah. forward to in 2022? We'll start out with, the, uh, a series, a three part series by Burke on flying, uh, a turbine Grumman goose to, from, uh, Alaska to, excuse me, uh, West Coast to Iceland. Ah, and yeah. Doug DeVries airplane, yeah. Right. Uh, grand champion at uh, AirVenture this year. Beautiful airplane. So uh, that should be a very, very interesting series. Yeah, it was uh, funny. We, uh, we ran across uh, Doug at AirVenture uh, and his amazing airplane, which I knew he was uh, in the process of doing the conversion to the, the turbines. And... Uh, we met him at AirVenture, I think, when we went to the Albatross movie, uh, the Flying mm-hmm. Boat movie. 
and uh, took him back to the airplane. He's like, yeah, we we did a little trip. We were on our way to AirVenture, and we just took a little side leg over to Iceland on the way <laughs> to the show. <laughs> decided so, to keep on going. Decided yeah. to keep going. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that story. And, uh, of course, uh, my relationship with Doug goes back many years. We've had a couple of ventures together. Very colorful guy. And that airplane is absolutely gorgeous. So I can't wait to have that story come out. That should be fun. Yeah. We're going to be profiling Tropic Ocean Airways, uh, the second largest seaplane operator in the country uh, after Kenmore Air. They're based in Fort Lauderdale, and they fly uh, in in eastern U.S. and the Bahamas uh, with a fleet of uh, caravans, first-class operation. Uh, We'll be taking a look at where they go, the airplanes, their training and safety program, which is... uh, quite remarkable so that should be uh there's there's things to learn for seaplane pilots uh from a professional operation like that we'll be profiling them yeah i think that's great again he's a former top gun instructor uh navy pilot and uh, they've been very aggressive about opening up new markets for seaplanes, both here up the eastern seaboard, all the way from Florida uh, up into New England. And they've even been opening operations internationally. And we have regular conversations about their safety training and their pilot safety uh, training programs, which are really uh, uh, an example for other operators to follow. They're amazing and it's a long overdue uh, coverage. And uh, both Nick and Rob uh, are also active field directors with the association. So uh, can't wait to see those stories. One thing uh, that to look forward to in the uh, January, February issue, we're going to have a report on the opener black fly. It's, a, it's an electric-powered aircraft uh vtol vertical takeoff and landing electric powered ultralight from a, a canadian who has developed it robert murray who was a co-founder of the seaplane pilots association and an active seaplane pilot has taken an interest in this aircraft. It was at Oshkosh, and he was hoping to fly it. He didn't get a chance to. <laughs> but he uh, he's written a story for us about the opener. Uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it. Of course, there's a lot going on in uh, terms of electric aircraft, and uh, including uh, uh, uh uh, operator in uh, Vancouver, Canada, Harbor Harbor Air, that's yep. uh, trying to electrify its fleet of de Havilland Beavers. So uh, we're going to have some uh, writing about that. Uh, take a look at uh, does this make sense? An electric powered seaplane? Yeah, there's some electrification going down on in the commercial world down in Australia on floats as well with the caravan fleet and. Uh, it's kind of a departure from our normal stories. We've we've both uh, been working on this story or have read it, and uh, it's uh, you know it's one of the w- areas that aviation is going, and we can't ignore it. And uh, so it's not a traditional story for us, but I think it's one that we have to pay attention to because it's going to continue to impact uh, all of general aviation and eventually seaplanes as well. Right. 
Right. These are, of course, the the very early days of electric powered uh, vehicles, and especially aircraft. Uh, we won't recognize it, you know, some years down the road, but it's important to to take a look at what's going on now. Yeah. Well, that's great. Okay. So. This uh, has been quite an informative and in-depth review of some of the behind-the-scenes of the magazine, uh, Water Flying Magazine, uh, which this podcast is named after. And I've, I hope that it's been informative to the listeners and they've enjoyed it as well. What, Mark, is one of the secret nuggets that people should know or might not know about Water Flying Magazine that we should close out the show with? Well, I think the, uh, the real secret is that you, uh, as a member of the Seaplane Pilots Association, can be a part of Water Flying Magazine. You can contribute to the magazine. You can write for the magazine. You can uh, have your photograph in the magazine. It's pretty easy to do. Uh, we just need an idea we can talk about or an article that we can work on with you. But you, too, can be a part of the magazine. I would, I, I think uh, people need to understand that, and if they have any desire at all, let's, let's work on it. There you go. So you can, again, reach Mark at editor at seaplanes.org, and we highly encourage you to do that. Mark, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to inform our members and the readers of Waterflying Magazine some of the behind-the-scenes that goes on and the dynamics that occur. And I don't want to lose an opportunity to thank everyone that works on the magazine, that contributes to the magazine. Susie Holly, who does not get enough uh, thanks or attention, I don't think, throughout the production of the magazine. Peter Christie, who's taken up advertising, who started as a volunteer for the organization, who's now taken over the advertising uh, and then on a personal note, Mark, 18 years of working together, the wisdom that you have provided, uh, the quality, uh, the pushing that you continually do for me to be better uh, is greatly appreciated. And I have endlessly enjoyed our relationship. I look forward to many more years. I highly value it. And I know that the association and the members are very well served with you as our editor and all of the volunteer time that you've given to the organization over the years as well that you don't get paid for. So uh, thank you for that. Well, that's very nice of you to say, Steve, really. Uh, and I do appreciate that. I, as I say, I'm very proud of the product of the magazine. I really enjoy working with the team. Uh, the truth is, you have the hard job. Uh, I, I it, my job's easy. I, uh, I just have to turn this magazine out uh, six times a year, plus the training directory. Every day is different for you. You have all kinds of uh, challenges uh, to deal with every day. Uh, it's difficult for you to plan, so uh, you have to be fast on your feet. Uh, you have to deal with people like me. Uh, so you you really have the tough job, and uh, and we admire your your continuing enthusiasm and passion for it. I just want to and make I, it better for everyone. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's a it's a journey, and and I'm just so thankful to have team members like you. And again, uh, team members that aren't aren't only team team members that the uh, but that have become very good friends. So uh, I look forward to the continuing journey. 
If you're listening to this podcast, we welcome your feedback. We hope you've enjoyed this uh, episode of Waterflying. This show is your show. It belongs to you and the guidance for this show and its content comes from you. So we hope it's serving you well and we welcome those comments. Mark Twombly, editor of Waterflying Magazine. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, fly safe, fly frequently, and enjoy and expand your horizons. Thanks so much, guys. See ya. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events, not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.